I'm not one of the pastors here at River Ridge Church. Uh, it sure is a privilege to be asked to do this. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe we've jumped the shark on the dangerous prayers and we've gone, gone to uh, unjustifiable risk-taking. I'm not sure exactly, but it, it sure is a pleasure to be here and, and to be able to talk to you guys and do the final uh, uh, talk in the Dangerous Prayer series. We've talked about searching me and changing me. Uh, and today we are going to talk about the dangerous prayer of send me. And I think I do know why uh, I was asked to, to speak today, because in my home group, uh, I know a super special uh, lady who uh, prayed to God and said, God, do with me what you will, send me. And God did, and he did some amazing things with her. Her name's Rachel Maynard, and we are going to see a video about her story here in just a little bit. I think that is uh, incredibly uh, inspirational and challenging, uh, inspirational and challenging. So let's pray and let's get into it. Lord, we pray that you would send us, and we pray that whatever barriers there are that we might have for us being sent, uh, that you kind of take those away and chip those away. Let us identify them. Let us think through some of this stuff uh, and let us come, be able to come to you unencumbered and to say, send me wherever you want me. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, so is God asking you to do something? Is he showing you something that you should be doing? Is he maybe pushing you into an area that he wants you to go or where he wants you to do something. I think for most of us that kind of happens. And what are our responses? There can be a bunch of different responses. I want to talk about three responses that we can have when God kind of shows us a place that he wants us to go. I think our first response can be, Lord, here I am, but I'm not going. I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. That's dangerous. That is just outlandish. I'm not going to do that, right? Uh, you know, who's the poster child? Who's our biblical poster child for running the other way? Jonah, right? So Jonah ran the other way. So let's take a look at Jonah chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Arise, go to Nineveh that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So God said, Jonah, I've got something for you. I need you to go to Nineveh for me. Talk to those folks. Jonah hops on a ship, goes the exact opposite direction. Now, is that what we do sometimes? We say, I hear what you're saying, Lord, but it's not the right time. I, you know, it really doesn't fit into to what I'm doing right now. Oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be over here for a little while, you know. I think about my, my own experience, and, and I know uh, in college, uh, I, I know that God wanted me to be more involved with what he was doing. And I remember praying prayers to God. I'm, I'm embarrassed and, and I have regret about it. And I said, hey, God, I know you want me to do some stuff, but uh, it's not the right time for me. I'm going to go ahead and do my thing. 
uh, and I'll get back with you later. And, and so, you know, I still think back to that, and it makes me shudder uh, sometimes. But, I, you know, I, I ran the, the other way from God. But, you know, Jonah, it's such a great story. It can kind of give us inspiration that if you run the wrong way from the Lord, he might swallow you up in a big fish and then have you thrown up on a beach three days later to go back to where you were supposed to be. And I, you know, I say that a little in jest, but it's true that if God has a plan for you and you're running the opposite direction, guess what? You're not going to be able to outrun God, right? You're not going to be able, if God has an idea for you, you're not going to be able to, to outrun him. So I take some great comfort in that, especially uh, with my story and some of the decisions I make that uh, I wasn't able to outrun God or, or to, um, uh, to put the shimmy shake on him. All right, so what's a second uh, response we can have to when God says, hey, I want you to, to go do this, or he's kind of pushing us in a, a certain direction. We can say, uh, here I am, Lord, send somebody else. Send somebody else. There's got to be somebody else. There's somebody smarter than I am. There's probably, most folks are smarter than I am. There's people that are better qualified to do what it is that you want done, Lord. You know, and by the way, I'm, I'm a little scared and uh, just really not comfortable with what you're asking me to do. You know, do you ever feel like that? Who's our poster child uh, for that, our biblical figure? Moses, that's right. So Moses is our, is our poster child for that. Let's take a look at Moses in Exodus 3, 10 through 11. This is God speaking out of a burning bush, right? Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Who am I? What it, how, how am I going to do that? And God says, don't worry. I'm with you. I have your back. But Moses had a whole string of uh, excuses, right, and reasons he shouldn't. What if, they, what if they don't believe me? Who should I say is sending me? Oh, and by the way, I am a terrible speaker. I can't talk. I don't know what, what to do, Lord. The Lord says and answers every single one of Moses's concerns. He says, I'll, I'm with you. All right, I'll be there. When you go, they will, uh, the Egyptians will be predisposed to you. The Israelites will listen to you and you can bring my folks out. And by the way, I'm with you. And then he says, right, I'm going to give you some other things. If they don't believe you, take your staff, throw it on the ground. It'll turn into a snake. Then you can pick it back up. He says, oh, if that doesn't work, you know, stick your hand in your jacket and pull it back out. It'll be leprous and then stick back in and it'll be okay. Or if they don't believe you then, you'll get some water out of the Nile, throw it on the ground and it'll turn into blood. So all this, and he says, and by the way, when you're speaking, I will teach you how to speak. I will tell you what to say. That's what God says to Moses. He works through all his concerns, all his excuses. They get to the end and then, here's Moses' reply. Exodus 4, 13 through 14. But Moses said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. 
Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And then the fire out of the burning bush consumed him and he was dead. <laughs> not really. That's not, the way. That's not the way it ends, is it? That's the way it probably should end if we were writing it. That's, that's the ending. That's the end of Moses, right? He's going through all this. He's fighting with God. He's not listening to God. He's being obstinate to God. God is angry with Moses. But what's he do? Do you know what he does? It's pretty great. God says, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. God took Moses' concerns, addressed all of them, and gave him Aaron. So Aaron and Moses worked together to help bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Isn't this one of our biggest barriers to being able to pray the prayer, send me? Don't we believe that there's somebody who's better suited to do whatever God is calling us to do? Isn't there somebody in a better position to do that? Isn't there somebody with more experience? Isn't there somebody with more time that can do that? Well, you know what? The answer to all those questions are, yeah, you're probably right. There probably is somebody who's better than you at it. There's somebody who's smarter than you. There's somebody who might do a much, much better job than you. However, what's the difference? God called you. God's asking you. God's showing you. God may want to show his greatness in your weakness. God may want to show folks how amazing he is through your inability to be amazing. There are reasons that God may ask you to do something, and you might not know what they are. You might not never know what they are. They may be for you and your growth. They may be for somebody else and their growth. But you know what? inadequacy or to think that somebody else could do a better job or to think that you're going to mess it up or screw it up royally is not a good excuse because God is going to give you the tools you need. God is going to allow you to be able to speak. He's going to give you his words. He's going to be able to give you the tools in your toolbox to complete the mission that he wants you to complete. All right, so if we want to pray the dangerous prayer of send me, I think we need to realize that when God asks us to do it, there's a reason it doesn't matter if we believe that we're the best person for the job or not. All right, and so what's our, the final uh, possibility we have when God's kind of asking us to do something or pushing us uh, somewhere? We can say, here I am, Lord. And we can say what Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, 8. This is, this is Isaiah before God in the presence of the Lord. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, 
Here am I, send me. There were no details about what God wanted Isaiah to do, right? There were no, uh, this is what I want you to do. It's going to be dangerous. You need to get ready, pack your stuff. I need somebody to go. Here I am, Lord. Send me. For us, I think we want to know the details about what it entails. How dangerous is it? What kind of time commitment? Am I going to be uh, able to complete the task that you've set before me? We have this big string of things that becomes a barrier to saying, uh, here am I. But that's what we need to say, is here am I, send me. And I think there are three things that got Isaiah to this point that I think if we look at that happened in the verses before this, that it will show us uh, where he, he got here. So let's take a look at that. The first thing is Isaiah was in the presence of God. So let's look at Isaiah 6.1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So, we need to be in the presence of God, or to be in God's presence. Uh, I think this is uh, crucial. And how are you doing? If you thought, how am I doing being in the presence of God, what kind of grade would you give yourself? When was the last time we spent time being quiet in the presence of God? Do you allow yourself on a regular basis, and do we allow ourselves, me included, do we allow ourselves to be amazed by God? Uh, Pope Francis had a great quote this week, and I thought, oh, this is just tremendous uh, for our series and for Send Me. So he's talking about allowing ourselves to be amazed by God. And he, he says, Pope Francis says, in our relationship with God in prayer, do we allow ourselves to be amazed or do we think that prayer is talking to God like a parrot? Do we let ourselves be surprised because the encounter with the Lord is always a living encounter, not an encounter at a museum? Are you in the presence of the Lord and are you amazed? If you find yourself just trying to go through the motions or that you have a rote routine that you really don't want to do it or it's a super hassle. Now it's not, you know, there are going to be times where it's hard, you have to push through it, you know, training for a race or those types of things, you're going to have those, those moments. But if on a regular basis you find yourself Oh, spending time with God is kind of a drag. You've got to do something different. Because God is amazing. Being in the presence of God is amazing. So you probably, you're not bound 
by any rules. You can meet God anywhere. You can be in God's presence anywhere. You can have conversations with God all the time, anywhere, right? So really the only rule is, I think, that you've got to be in a quiet space with just you and God. You've got to remove the distractions, right? I think that that's, that's probably the only, only rule. So if whatever you're doing isn't working, if whatever we're doing uh, isn't working, you need to figure out how can I be in the presence of God where I'm excited, where I'm amazed, where it doesn't feel like I'm just regurgitating the same parroting kind of things to God over and over. All right, so the second thing that Isaiah did before he got to the point where he could say, send me, he became conscious of God's holiness. So let's look at Isaiah 6, 2 through 5. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two uh, he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. That's kind of a wild imagery, isn't it? I had to look it up. I wish I had a picture. I don't, but it's kind of wild looking. Six wings and covering your face. So, so that's what, this is, this is what's flying around God and covering his feet in his face because he's in the presence of the Lord right? And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was confronted with the holiness and the majesty of God. Isaiah understood how big God is. He saw God on the throne with his train filling the temple. And he realized at that point that I'm not worthy to be here. That's God, and I'm not. I think that that's a big rub for us in this ability to be able to pray the dangerous prayer and say, God, send me, is we fight God for control of our lives. You know, we want to treat God like an app, I think, a lot of times. I know I do, right? You just want to pick it up, push the Jesus app, do your Jesus thing for a little while, close it out, do something else. Punch the God app, do that for a little while, close it out. But God's not an app, Jesus isn't an app, right? This is their world. This is their show. We are theirs. You are theirs, right? And so it's not just a tiny sliver. It's the whole thing. And I think you've got to focus, and we have to focus, on the greatness and holiness and giganticness of God. And I think once we get that, like Isaiah gets that, it becomes a lot easier to say, Lord, send me. The third thing that happened before Isaiah said, send me, was he was changed by God's grace. So we need... uh, to be focused on God and His greatness, which that was the second point. And the third point, 
is that we need to be changed by God's grace like Isaiah. So let's take a look at Isaiah 6, 6 through 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. So I know it's, it's got a little Bible weirdness in there, uh, in the imagery. But it's a vision that Isaiah is having. And the coal being retrieved from the altar, it's the altar of Christ. That Christ died for Isaiah's sins, he died for my sins, for your sins, right? And so the altar represents the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us so that we could live. The coal being touched to Isaiah's lips is his sanctification through Jesus Christ. And it's because of this, he understood the holiness of God. He understood that he was broken man and sinful. And then it's because he understood that God saved him. That God allowed him to be a part of God's plan and in his presence and in his holiness. He realized it was through the grace of God that he was able to do that. I think for us, we can ask ourselves a question and it can really help us navigating this idea of praying dangerously and saying, send me. Why do you want to do what God wants you to do? What is it? Why do you say, why do you want to come to church? You know, why do you want to be a part of what God's got going on? And if, if our answer falls in the category of you know, because I'm supposed to, because that's what my mom taught me, because that's what Pastor Matt says, because, you know, all these things, because we think the rules and regulations are going to get us to where we need to be. If that's where we are, then we really need to focus on this grace piece. Because it's got nothing, as we know, it's got nothing to do about what we do. It's got nothing to do about how we are or how we act. It's all through the grace of God, right? And once we understand that it's we want to do and give back and serve because without God, we'd be nowhere. Without God, we would have no sanctification. Without what Jesus Christ did for us, we'd be done for. So I really think that if, if you wrestle with this idea about why do I even want to go where God's going to send me, if the reasoning isn't because, because God's God and he's asking me to, then I think we need to wrestle with that and struggle with that and uh, get to the point where we can say, ah, I'm going to give it all over to him because of what he did for me. And then you can say, send me. No restrictions, no limitations, no asterisks. And here is an amazing lady in our church, uh, Rachel Maynard. 
she prayed that prayer. And she said, God, here I am. Send me. No restrictions, whatever you tell me to do. And what God asked her to do uh, is amazing and incredible. So here's her story. My name is Rachel, and in April of this year, I donated a kidney to a stranger. About a year and a half ago, I was sitting in church, and I had this desire to do more for God. I prayed for God to use me however he saw fit. I had no ideas of what I could do, but honestly just prayed that he would lead me and that I would be willing to do whatever he asked and for his glory. A couple of months later, I began to feel led to be a living kidney donor. I work in the transplant field, so it wasn't completely foreign to me but it had never crossed my mind because I don't know anyone personally waiting for a transplant. Long story short, it took four God-led instances for me to finally say yes. Looking back, I know that every one of those were him telling me what I should do, um, but my scared human heart was afraid to say yes. When I told my parents what I wanted to do, uh, they mentioned that they had actually met a lady a couple years prior um, on a bus trip to New York City who was in need of a kidney transplant. Well, this lady and I were a perfect match. Even the week before the transplant, we were touch and go because my recipient was having trouble getting to the healthy enough point to even have surgery. My recipient, a lady named April, is doing much better. She had struggled for four years, waiting on a transplant, on dialysis, losing her job and her home. Now my family has adopted her as one of our own. I never expected uh, to even get to know my recipient, let alone gain a sister. We celebrated our six-month anniversary in October, and I'm thrilled to say that we're both doing great. So many people have been touched by our story, and when asked why I gave, we both share that it was all because of God. God's leading, God's orchestration, and God's healing hand. Her transplant doctor uh, even tells her at every checkup that he couldn't have asked for a more successful transplant. He says it's as if they cloned her own kidney. She smiles and tells him every time that it's a God thing. So if you were thinking of praying that hard prayer, then I encourage you to do so. I never could have imagined that God would send me to do something so great, but he did and he will. Holy smokes, she gave away her kidney. <laughs> Rachel Maynard is here. She's back in the back. Rachel, if you wouldn't mind standing up, I'd like to clap for you. How, how awesome and inspirational is that? But let me ask you a question. Could I give my kidney up? Could you give your kidney up? Are you supposed to give your kidney up? Hey Dave, should I give my kidney away? Yes. Should I go to Moldova like the pains? Yes. Should I do start a food pantry downtown? Yes. Should I help be a part of a River Ridge church plant? Yes. But all those have asterisks, right? And the asterisk is, if God tells you to. If God's asking you to. Right? So, I tell you, sometimes what God wants you to do may be huge, may be incredibly challenging, 
Maybe it seems, though, sometimes that it might be small and easy, but it may be just as impactful. God has a plan for me, and He has a plan for you. And He wants us to get there, and He wants us to be able to pray the dangerous prayer of send me, no restrictions, no caveats. I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do. And it might be parking cars. It might be teaching river camp. It might be going to Moldova for a couple of weeks. It might be going to Haiti. It might be being a missionary. It might be giving your kidney. But that's between you and God. You need to be in the presence of God. You need to understand the holiness of God, and you have to focus on the sanctification that you have because of what God did and because of what Jesus Christ did. So if we want this exciting life, and we do, we chase it on our own, and when we're in control, we're chasing this exciting life. We want excitement. We want fun. You know, and fun's a bad word, but exciting, right? Uh, you know what? You can have an exciting life. We can have super exciting lives. And guess what? It comes with no regrets. We just have to say, send me. And then we have to go. Let's pray. Hey, Lord, I pray that you send us. I pray that the barriers that are between us and you and our ability to be able to say, send us and here we go. That we kind of wrestle with those uh, and we chip away at those and we pray about those and we get to the point where we're genuinely in your presence asking to send us and we'll be willing to go where you want us to go. Thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You all have a good uh, rest of your week. Make sure you say hi to somebody who might be giving away their kidney.